Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. I know there are a lot of questions that are still unanswered when it comes to our agriculture and rural communities and those events that we absolutely love and live for, one of them being our local county fairs. Joining us to try to give us some direction on the situation with COVID-19 in our lives, Jamie Butke, she's the executive director of the Wisconsin Fairs Association. So first of all, Jamie, I've got to believe COVID-19 has hit your county fair folks like a two-by-four between the eyes. Tell me what's been happening since this turned into the news everybody's talking about. Exactly. It sure has. This is supposed to be my downtime. I'm supposed to be, you know, the fairs that they all run themselves and so forth. And I think uh, this is the busiest I've ever been in my profession um, because our fairs are all trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing or how can they have their fair and all the different pieces that go into that. So we as the Wisconsin Association of Fairs have 75 county district and state fairs that are state-aided members. Um, and we have some festivals that are associate members. But when, when I talk today, I'm going to refer to those 75 fairs. Uh, what we've been doing is in uh, engaging with our fair board members. Uh, we've had three weeks of Zoom calls with them. It's been an hour or a little bit, a uh, little bit more than that. Our next meeting was requested that we uh, go to an hour and a half call, and we're scheduled for meetings weekly for the next, you know, how, however long we need it. Eighty um, percent of our fairs are actively engaged in those in those calls, and we're covering every aspect. And, and no one has the answer, right? Um, because is new for everyone, but we're all asking the questions like, well, what are we doing? What is our fear? What is what is the best way, the safest way to host our fair? Will all of the facets of the fair still take place? And I, I just have to say, Pam, I am so proud of our fair members because they are thinking about how can I have the fair, and but the there's things that they can and cannot control. Uh, we don't know how the lift, the band is going to to happen what is what is the does it mean does it mean 500 people can be at my fair in a day you know do we have our hopes that you know you can have uh 10,000 people at your fair because those are all loans we've been encouraging our fairs to plan for the worst hope for the best but they have to they have to engage in should I could I how can we run the fair that's the safest and but that we also understand the impact that it has on Vendors, the carnival industry, the exhibitors, um, your local community clubs uh, that raise money that goes back into your community. There are so many facets, and um, our questions get longer and longer every week. We've done some legislative things to, to help protect us as well. Um, if you're not familiar, in Wisconsin, our 75 fairs do receive some state aid money in, in the premiums that they pay out to junior exhibitors. Um, but there is a, a rule in the states, if you don't have your fair, you, once you don't have a fair, you don't get state aid in future years. So with the last legislative um, pass, we, thanks to Representative Amy Loudenbeck, we were able to get wording in there to say, if one of our fairs doesn't have their fair this year, they will not lose out on state aid in the future because of COVID-19 this year. So we already took one legislative step, which was huge for our fairs, and that's something that you know they're taking into consideration because they're not going to lose state aid money in the future. That That is very good news. Now, some people are going to say, do we know of any county fairs that have already tossed the towel in? Uh, you know, 
You do, Jamie, but we also need to explain why some of these fairs have already decided they're not going to be able to manage it. Sure. We had our first uh, announcement, so we have one of the 75 fairs. So there's still 74 other fairs that at this point are planning on on, um, having their fair. But the Oneida County Fair um, made their decision this last week. I believe it was on Thursday we posted the – Wednesday night we posted the press release that they had decided to cancel. And two things for them. They are are a three-day fair. They have no livestock. They do have junior fair exhibits that are at their fair. But they rely on, and, and their fair takes place within the city limits of, of Rhinelander. So it really is a community event. And they rely on a lot of their local businesses to be sponsors for them. And the way the economy has hit, um, they don't feel that they can go to those sponsors and say, hey, give me something because um, everyone is hurting, right? Um, so for them, when they looked at uh, that and then can they provide all the right tools to be safe for their their attendees as well because that's a struggle some of our fairs are already feeling is can I get enough supplies? Can I get enough paper supplies or sanitary supplies to make sure my fair is cleanly as well? So, um, yes, they don't meet until August. Um, It's not easy to be that first fair to say, oh, we're canceling, and what's the ripple effect going to be of it? But I commend them. They really they thought about every avenue of their fair and said, we're going to be, you know, fiscally responsible, and it's just not something we can do. But guess what? We want to come back as as strong and as better as we can in 2021. So it's not easy to be the first one. I, you know, anticipate we'll probably get some other fairs that are are going to have to cancel as as well. But there's just so many facets that go into planning it, and there's chain reactions um, that can happen. One of them that we're finding is the carnival industry. So with the carnival industry, you have a lot of our companies come from out of state, um, and so when they travel, they're hitting uh, it seasonally, and then eventually they get to Wisconsin. Some of them head up to Canada, and then they make their way back through to the fall. So they have this route that they do, and if one fair doesn't happen and they don't start for another month, uh, we have fairs that I've said, you know, you're in September, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, we're not as concerned. Well, you have to be because if those carnivals don't go out in July and August, they're likely not coming to see you in September either. It's not that they don't want to, but now you need to have them look at and say, financially, it costs me insurance to put on rides. It costs me money to put um, for permits to get on the roads. If I don't have a full season, am I going to recoup that cost? They want to be there. They, they, they want to, but then the other part is a lot of them have H2B workers. Some kept them within sent them out of state. Will they get enough workers back in order to provide you the same carnival that they have in the past? And then, oh yeah, they also have cleanliness issues they have to abide with. And are they going to get the supplies? And, it, and it's, it's a chain reaction. But I think it's important to know that they, they all want to be there. Um, but now there's other factors that are coming into it as well. Yeah. You made a good point, by the way, if you're just joining us. This is Jamie Butke. She's the executive director of the Wisconsin Fair Association, acting as the information hub for those 70-plus county fairs that uh, usually happen around the state. You touched on it earlier, Jamie, the financial ramifications of not having a county fair. Um, You know, we think about it, and maybe I should say me, I think about it more from the social side of things, you know, uh, it's it's our passion to get together and be with the 4-H and FFA kids, the food stands, uh, in the barns, you know, that kind of stuff. But those county fairs are an economic driver in a lot of those communities. 
Um, I just wonder if we have thought through, like you said, uh, the economic repercussions if they don't get a chance to come about in some way, shape, or form. Well, and here's the other thing. Some of our fairs are county-run, and some are their own ag society, right? So some do get some county funding. But if you have a county and people aren't spending what they have, they're not, you know, gas prices are lower, they're not getting that tax base that they normally got through travel and hotel stays and everything else. If your county's not getting that tax base revenue that they're used to and they supported you, their budgets are going to be tight as well. So are you going to get the same amount of funding you've gotten from them in the past? I mean, that's another avenue that we just kind of talked about last week, too. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just a constant ripple effect. And at the end of the day, I know that the passion that our our leaders have for running the fair, their goal is to have a fair. Um, but uh, as much as they want to, it's, there's what does that fair look like? Do we only offer the youth exhibits? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things we're doing is we're working with UW Extension, and they're working with us because they've had limits on what they can do face-to-face. Um, and so they've received restrictions. But they're trying to help us figure out how fair can do virtual shows. We have some associate members that help with the databases that fairies use for doing their entries, and they're helping to figure out how to do virtual shows. Well, that impact says, yep, that's great. Um, State aid doesn't cover all the premiums. They needed entertainment carnival vendors. They need to earn that revenue so that they can pay for the premiums that can get paid to the youth. Mm -hmm. So it's just every piece of that puzzle impacts another piece. So they're just, you know, and at the end of the day, we also want fairs to be able to come back next year. So the goal, again, is to try to have a fair. What that fair is going to look like is the what if right now. And then the piece of the puzzle we haven't even talked about is will people come out? I I think you're going to have two components. I think you're either going to have people who I'm so stir crazy because I've been home and I'm I'm ready to get back and rolling. And I think there's a ton of people that are that way. And then there's going to be a group that says, yeah, I'm staying in my comfort zone. I like my, I like my seclusion. I don't know what, if we're going to get another phase of this. So the unknown is, are people going to come back, come out? So then when you plan, you also have to say, I'm taking a guess at how many people are going to come to my fair. Yeah. Well, all that being said, Jamie, I can understand why your Zoom calls with your county fairs have gone from <laughs> uh, short to an hour and a half. And and yeah. uh, and to your point, we still have so many unanswered questions and so many elements up in the air. Where can people go, Jamie, if they kind of want to follow the dialogue or announcements as they're made? Sure. So we, as Wisconsin Association of Fairs, if they go to wifairs.com, we have created a COVID page link. So we, and, and a lot of our associates are looking for this information as well um, because the rumor mill gets out there and once one cancels, you know, the, the, the whole ripple effect. So on this page, as we get cancellations, um, we will put them on there. So it gives our stance of every fair is responsible for making their own decision. We, have, we are here to guide them and help them with resources and, and help them network with other fair members, but we are not their decision to it's their decision not WAF to see whether or not you have that fair but if you go there we listed there's a link to the website for each fair that we have and we I am putting canceled behind the fair and the date that that happened but the link is there um, and then 
the other part is we normally print an entertainment schedule. When we print about 20,000 of them that we send out to different tourism centers, chambers of commerce throughout the state. And we, at this point, say maybe we have to refocus how that happens because we're going to postpone it by a month anyway and see where we are. But that may be our website, maybe the, the way that you're going to have to find up-to-date entertainment for all of the fairs because it may change on a, on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So instead of putting something in print, we just may find a, a way to have a document online for you on that same COVID page just to keep uh, everyone up-to-date on what's happening in our industry. Give us the site again, Jamie. It's wifairs.com. All right. Jamie Butke along with us. She's the executive director of the Wisconsin Fair Association. Like she said, normally this would be her quiet time of the year, but thanks to COVID-19, it is very, very busy. And, of course, a developing story that we'll keep you posted on, MidwestFarmReport.com. We'll share all the information from uh, wifairs.com as it becomes available. I'm Pam Yonke.